Hey, Remar nurses, it's Monday and we will be reviewing for today's topic, disaster management. This is how to pass NCLEX plus Monday motivation presented by RemarNurse.com. Hi there, if it's your first time joining us, my name is Regina Callion and I am the number one NCLEX instructor on the planet. I got over 2000 nurses that signed up for my new V2 over Black Friday weekend. So if you have it, I am assuring you that we will be talking more about how to use this brand new technology to help you pass NCLEX. I'll actually be going on right after this broadcast to talk all about V2. So hang tight with me. But we have to finish what we started on Black Friday, which was the Black Friday review and introducing V2. Now we did a four hour free NCLEX review that actually transformed into a five and a half hour NCLEX review. So we actually did not get to finish it. But because of that, I am doing a part two on tonight. I am doing a part two on tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also I am extending the amazing Black Friday price for you guys. So we had, um, like I said, we had 2000 students join. I think it was because it, it was Black Friday, the three month subscription to V2 plus the workbook plus the question bank for $89 was amazing. So we are going to continue to allow more people to jump into V2 by doing this. And that is continuing with the cyber week sale for this better NCLEX review. So if you miss that boat, jump on this one. I am listening to you guys who said, hey, I don't get paid until next week, Regina. I need you to do something for me. So we did extend it for you guys. But also because I did not finish, I did not finish the Black Friday review. So we're going to pick up from here. So bring your Black Friday workbooks to class tonight. We're going to do the second next generation NCLEX questions that we didn't get to do. Plus there's two lectures from V2 that you guys are going to watch. And we're going to finish our quick facts questions. So tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time, be there or be square, be there or be square. I'm happy that you're here with me today. We are talking about don't missing your opportunity to get your V2 for not $300. I'm giving it to you guys for $89 and that's for three months. Let's get into disaster management. This topic is this topic is paramount because it rolls into safety and, and infection control a lot. And also there is prior to prioritization that occurs when you're in a disaster scenario. So we're going to be covering this topic today. It's important. When you talk about disaster, a disaster, a disaster is defined as any natural or man-made catastrophe that produces an interruption, right? Um, and it changes the access of care. So interruption, destruction, and or devastation, and necessitates outside aid. Although natural catastrophes such as earthquakes and storms cause many disasters, predictable and unavoidable human-made elements can also exacerbate that disaster. So we are used to um, hurricanes and earthquakes, but when other elements jump into play during those times, man, it can make things even worse. So disaster management in particular is divided into four stages, prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery. 
Hospitals are the last link in the community response in which we will focus more on for today's discussion. So we're gonna focus on how um, you must think about in terms of nursing, how to handle certain disasters, okay? So there are two different types of disasters. There are natural disasters and essentially man-made disasters, which, we, which we're gonna focus on more of the number two today. It is weapons of mass destruction, weapons of mass destruction. So there are categories of these weapons of mass destruction. You have what is called a biological agent. Are you guys familiar with a biological agent? Oh, so the biological agent is used to essentially harm or kill people. And it's biological because it is using organisms such as bacteria, viruses, or toxins. And so particularly with these agents, what people like about them is that they can be easily transmitted from person to person, just like a virus is in the community, right? There is a high mortality rate with these viruses. You can make them very aggressive. And also that if you are using a biological agent and you spread it within a community, you can almost guarantee that those infected people will not at the same time be able to get the care that they need because it will be such a strain on the local hospital systems. So biological agents are very effective when you're trying to create a disaster. Another agent is a chemical agent and a chemical agent are weapons. They're chemical weapons that are intended to cause death. Like if a person is using a chemical agent um, and there's many different types, um, you know, such as cyanide or vesicants. We're going to talk about those, but these are very, they, these are very severe. They're extremely toxic and they are not, they are not intended for the people infected to survive. All right. And then radiation, radiation has been in the news. Radiation has been in the news because there are um, a lot of new weapons, a lot of nuclear weapons that countries are now having access to. They now possess them. And so uh, the entire world is under threat. My goodness, the, the entire world is under threat right now. So with chemical agents, there are substances that emit radiation in the forms of rays, or they're extremely small particles that disseminate radiation. And so the thing about radiation is that when our human cells are exposed to radiation, really of any type, they will die. So think about this, when a person is exposed to radiation in the hospital, because we do do radiation um, in different forms in the hospital, how do we protect ourselves? How should we be thinking about radioactive substances that are used for hospital care? OK, so like I said, we're going to focus more on not the natural disasters of hurricanes, earthquakes, floods. We're going to focus on the biological agents that are used. So we're going to do the, the chemicals, the vesicants, the nerves, things like that. So as far as assessment goes, the, the most important thing about a biological agent is that we need to assess what what is it? What are the clinical features of somebody who has been exposed to it? And also, what is the transmission mode? We need to 
institute isolation precautions. You guys have to know isolation precautions for your NCLEX exam. Isolation precautions, you will go over them with me in V2, talking about your standard or universal, your contact, your droplet, and your airborne respiratory precautions. You have to know them, okay? And then implement specific therapies pertaining to that particular biological agent, whether it's, you know, a COVID-19 or a smallpox. So are you able to use antivirals? Are you able to use antibiotics? Or are there immunotherapies that you can use? And then contact tracing, of course, we need to know exactly how and who were exposed, okay? Healthcare workers included. Personal protective equipment for biological agents typically look like this. And so when you see it, hey, <laughs> I love that. You guys are greeting me like this. My, I, over Thanksgiving, I was trying to explain to my brother, Mary, I had to tell you this. Over Thanksgiving, I was trying to explain to my brother how I call myself the number one NCLEX instructor on the planet. And he was like, of course you are. Of course you are. I'm like, yeah, but then it's really cool when other people call me that too. It makes me feel like Muhammad Ali. So you just doing that just made my day. Thank you. All right. So when we're talking about protective equipment for biological um, agents, the respirators are going to be considered a necessity because respirators provide a high level of protection. And so the respirator should be covering all of the parts of you that are functioning in breathing. And when used correctly, it will severely minimize the, um, the amount of the hazard that your lungs and pulmonary system come in contact with. So very important. Protective clothing are like these jumpsuits, but also note that they should include your shoe cover, your hand cover, and your hair cover. This is also important for biological agents. And so take notes on this because... Some of this information may be uh, new to you and you may not have gone over it in nursing school to this in depth. Chemical agents. So um, our chemical agents, these are, let me make sure I give you guys all of my notes that I have here. So our chemical agents are important because they may focus and work differently. So there are subcategories of a chemical agent. For example, you can have chemical agents that work on the pulmonary system. So they target your pulmonary system. You can have a, a chemical agent that is a gas, right? Or solids, but they're, they're, they're used to, like cyanide, it is used to, again, and I said chemical agents are the most aggressive. So the idea is that the, the host or the person exposed does not live after being in contact with this. So I don't know if you heard of like cyanide poisoning, people putting that in other people's food, right? This is something that you're not supposed to survive it. Vesicants, we've heard of vesicants when it talks about um, sometimes medications that are, let me, let me not get ahead of myself. Let me just say this. Vesicants such as a sulfur mustard or a lewisite, these are a type of chemical warfare that causes blistering, 
Okay. And that's why they're vesicants here. It causes blistering of the skin and mucous membranes on contact. And vesicants can be very popular because like uh, like a lewisite vesicant, they don't have an odor. Um, they may be like, they may feel a little bit oily, but if you go and you touch somebody, right, or you touch a surface of something, that vesicant can stay on the surface. So if you want to touch the ATM machine or you want to touch the gas station pump or, um, you know, those vesicants can stay there. And the next person that comes in contact with that oily, um, odorless substance, their skin will start to react to it. Okay. So vesicants are another chemical form of, of, of an agent. And then nerve, nerves are, like they said, nerve agents are like it sounds. They're also highly poisonous chemicals that interrupt the nervous system from communicating with the organs, from communicating with these organs. And I think these are pretty much going to be, I, I don't know, I guess I want to say they're the most toxic of all chemical agents because the nerve agents are blocking, you know, they're blocking the acetylcholin, um, cholinesterase. So uh, the activities in your organs, your glands, your smooth muscles, your smooth muscles can help you to breathe, right? Do your respiratory, the, your, uh, respirations, your cardiac muscles, they cannot, they wear out. All right. They're, they're not able to have any kind of communication. So, Nerve agents can be vapor or droplet, and they're usually felt from the research that I did within seconds. So within seconds, if a person comes in contact with this on their eyes, their nose, their mouth, their face, they're going to begin to have constriction of their airways, shortness of breath, right? Their pupils will be constricted and they're going to lose consciousness and not be able to breathe. Right? Good stuff for us to know. Good stuff for us to know. Um, and just so again, number one, the pulmonary agents are going to be causing pulmonary edema. If you just think about the classification classifications of classifications of the different chemical agents, and then how they're going to work on the patient. So somebody said, "What are the examples of nerve?" So nerve. Um, Nerve agents are going to be something like saran. Uh, what's another one? Um, I don't think you have to actually know this. I think GF is a nerve nerve agent. I know saran, S-A-R-I-N is one. Okay. And it is. It's very frightening to think about because these are things that are in play all the time. And just because we don't hear about them in the, in the U.S. on the news, it doesn't mean it's not happening because it is happening, right? So the pulmonary agents are gonna cause pulmonary, uh, pulmonary edema when it's inhaled and it will cause damage to the other tissues. But the, the idea is that your patient has a low oxygen level or hypoxemia, um, hypoxemia and then hypovolemia, okay? Now, the, the cyanide agents are, like I said, it's gonna be cyanide, or cyanogen chloride. And these actually, uh, the death occurs within six to eight minutes. And when you are in contact with cyanide, whether it's a gas, you're gonna have your burning of eyes, nose and airways, and it smells like bitter almonds, okay? And then 
if you have in contact with the gas of it, then you're going to have your ox, your, your vessels, your blood vessels are going to become cherry red. All right. Hyperventilation is going to happen. And within three to five minutes, you will stop breathing. And within six minutes, you will have no heartbeat. So cyanide, again, is also a biological weapon. Vesicants, vesicants cause vesicles or blisters, sulfur, mustard, and lewisite are examples of them. Actually, they, the idea is that these can be more, these can be um, more readily spread because the initial symptoms are not observable. So when you are, um, when you're exposed to a, a mustard or a lewisite, it doesn't, it doesn't begin to affect you until a couple hours after your exposure. So all this time you can be spreading this. You can be spreading this, especially if you have the oily liquid on your skin. Nerve agents, nerve agents such as, did I give the examples of them? Nerve agents such as Sarian and GF. These are used to block acetylcholinesterase. So activities in the organs are going to be shut down. Your smooth muscles, you're going to have loss of consciousness. And essentially, you will have um, no breathing. Essentially, no, no breathing. And so that'll be detrimental. What are our medical or nursing interventions? So for the pulmonary agents, and really like this is this is pretty much all we can really do. And so that's what makes this such a strain on the, um, the healthcare system when we have a biological attack because these patients are really sick. But if you've been exposed to a pulmonary agent, you gotta lay down, right? That's number one. And then you're gonna get some respiratory therapy. So um, immediately put on bed rest, no ex exertion, and you're gonna receive oxygen, okay? Maybe some humidified air, uh, but we have to allow the body, and that's the thing about the human body, the human body can repair itself under certain situations, okay? Um, cyanide, so with cyanide, it's talked about how Essentially with cyanide, it can stop your heart beating within six minutes. Very, very, um, very, very aggressive biological agent. You're going to administer the antidote to cyanide, which is amyl nitrate or sodium nitrate or sulfur thiosulfate. Those are going to be viable options. Um, and you're going to give them IV. Okay. And what, so what happens is these, these particular compounds, they will try to bind to cyanide. And so cyanide, um, cyanide likes to bind to he hemoglobin. All right. So cyanide attaches to your red blood cells. And then instead of your red blood cells carrying oxygen to the rest of your body, your red blood cells are now carrying cyanide to the rest of your body. And your feet get this red blood cell and it has no oxygen in it. It just has cyanide. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with this cyanide? I can't do anything. Where is the oxygen you're supposed to be carrying? But it's not because cyanide is, is, is just a little tricky thing. So um, these compounds will bind to the cyanide and then your hemoglobin 
is allowed to carry the oxygen that it's supposed to be carrying. All right. So that is why we need to do some respiratory therapy as well. And then also you're, you're, you're definitely going to have some acidosis going on with cyanide. So correcting the acidosis. Vesicants. Vesicants are going to be tough. Okay. They're going to be like, again, I said tough to manage because sometimes you might not know until hours later that you have been given a vesicant when those blisters start to form. So you got to try to minimize the damage, which is irrigation of the skin, irrigation of the eyes, antibiotics that you're applying three to four times a day just to try to give the skin some relief. So that's how you're going to treat that. Nerve damage, nerve damage, wearing PPE. Yes, personal protective equipment is necessary when you're decontaminating a person. So if a person has been exposed to any kind of biological weapons of mass destruction, decontamination has to take place first. And so it's really about nurses knowing how to protect themselves and not potentially spread it. So with the nerve, um, with the nerve, chemical agents because the way it works in shutting down the the communication between the nerves and the organs, you want to give something like an atropine, right? Because atropine is going to keep that heart rate going. um, And it also will help so that your neurotransmitters have a little bump behind it to like get to where they need to go. So this is very important as well. If your patient is convulsing because of the nerve vesicant, then we want to, uh, we can also give some anti-convulsant medications as well. Antidote, atropine, protampan, which can be used to effectively treat this. Okay. All right, moving on. We, we mentioned this uh, earlier, but just for those who are coming in, when we talk about personal protective equipment for the biological agent, we are talking about covering all skin surfaces with protective equipment that may be, uh, because clothing sometimes is not impervious to chemicals. And so chemicals can get through your clothing. So you want to protect yourself as much as possible. So that means the suit, put on the suit if you have it. Also putting on a filter respirator over your face and making sure that your airway is protected. And for respirators, you should have a a fit for them as nurses. There is a certain fit that you should have. So that's the HIPAA filter respirator. And then boots with boot cover. Well, that just makes sense. You want to cover up your shoes as well because you do not want your shoes trekking biological agents all over the place. Now, with with the radiation, acute radiation syndrome, I just want to talk about this because what with with radiation is and is it being a very real thing, radiation has the potential to cause cellular destruction or cellular deficiencies that um, that can actually kill the person. And so there are four phases of radiation exposure where you have the prodromal phase. Oh, 
for a lot of you guys are new here. So on Mondays, what we do is we do this thing called how to pass NCLEX plus Monday motivation, where I bring uh, out a certain point of the NCLEX test plan. And we just review that point and we, we just make sure that we go over it so that we have all of our bases covered. So we do this every Monday. And then again, I do it on Wednesday for a different topic. So right now we're talking about natural, um, we're talking about disaster management and we're talking about man-made disasters. There's two types. There's a natural disaster, earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, and then there's man-made, which are like biological weapons of mass destruction. So we're talking about this question. We're almost finished. And then we're going to do some NCLEX questions on what we've been reviewing just to make sure that you guys are understanding the content. So that's what this is, all right? Black Friday review part two is tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time, if you're wondering. So the prodromal phase of the radiation, what happens is your patient starts to have symptoms of radiation exposure. Well, what are they, Regina? Well, your patient will have a loss of appetite. This is phase one, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, really tired, and then they can also have diarrhea. Two, the latent phase, and latent is kind of like it sounds for other conditions where the, the symptoms disappear for a period of time. And with the person that, you know, that's is subjective to the type of radiation and the person. Then what's going to happen is the person is going to have some complications, right? And so complications will be, hey, now, now they're having infections, right? An illness, right? And overt illness, electrolyte imbalances, bleeding. All of a sudden they're bleeding. You don't know, really know why they're bleeding, but they're, they're having some sort of illness happen to them. And then the person either actually recovers from the illness or they, they don't recover from the illness, okay? And so the idea of radiation as a biological weapon, we have seen it in the past, right? People do survive it, but many people don't survive it. And that's the reason why. So in general, you have, um, if you're exposed to radiation, you can take some radioactive iodine and that is just specifically radioactive iodine that I think is potassium binding. And for a short while, it may help to protect your cells, the radioactive iodine, if you can catch it in enough time. As far as your blood goes for radiation exposure, you're going to have some um, cytopenias that are a result of it. And also your immune system is going to be affected. Gastrointestinal changes as a result of radiation just makes sense. Like you're going to have diarrhea. Your ability to absorb nutrients is going to be different. Hypotension, hyperpyrexia are cerebrovascular uh, illnesses associated with acute radiation syndrome and externally burns and rashes are going to be evident. And the greater the severity of these will be depending on the type and the amount of exposure to radiation that you have had. So again, what can we do? For specifically uh, acute radiation sim sim syndrome, supportive care. So 
I know this may sound, you know, like not enough, but it's all we have. So if a person is having GI distress, we're going to give them pep, Pepsin. We're going to give them, you know, uh, H2 antagonist. We can try to prevent infections and treat perfect, uh, infections. Like I said, potassium iodine, if possible, um, I think within the first four hours may help to block some of that radiation damage. That's it. That's it. And then here it is again, us putting on our personal protective equipment. Because you have to know, and this is one of the principles that we go over in V2, is that when you are involved in a disaster, whether it's man-made or natural, internal or external, you have to come into the mindset that for certain patients, as a nurse, I'm not going to be able to give them the adequate resources that they need. And so really, it is supportive care. That has to be the first mentality anytime you're presented with a disaster is supportive care because you have a patient that is okay. Let's say we're in a let's say we're in an external disaster. We're in an external disaster, right? Plane crashed. You arrive on the scene, and you have ten patients lying in the field, right? One patient has, um, you know, a large gaping wound in their chest. They have, um, you know, half of a leg missing, and their pupils are fixed and they are, you know, they're fixed and they're unequal, not responsive to light. As a nurse in this disaster situation, you could spend two hours trying to do CPR on this patient to keep them alive, to keep them, you know, perfused, but knowing that ultimately the patient is not going to make it, or you could try to make them comfortable and then give care to the person that has the, you know, obvious broken leg that needs to be splinted, right? And so when you have a, a situation of disasters such as these man-made disasters, the idea is that the person who needs the quickest care gets the quickest care, all right? So it's, it's definitely a different mentality to think about um, than what we typically see in acute care, right? Like if a person comes in, into the hospital and they've been in a, a severe motor um, vehicle accident and they have all these things like, yeah, we throw everything at them. We make sure they're on a ventilator. We make sure that they're getting, you know, uh, vasopressin to keep their blood pressure up and we're giving them blood and we're making sure that we are trying to stabilize them as quickly as possible. In an external disaster, there is no, there is no ventilator coming right? You don't have the staff for that. Uh, and so you're out in the field. So the, the, the care priority changes. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, 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 now let us, let us keep going. Let us keep going into our NCLEX questions. Now, again, guys, this is how to pass NCLEX. This is how to pass NCLEX. So we are talking about content and then we're going to do questions afterwards. That's how you pass NCLEX, okay? Here's question number one from the topic that we just talked about. There is a suspected attack of anthrax. The nurse prepares the following precaution to implement. 
is the number one standard. Number two, number two, contact. Number three, droplet. Or number four, airborne. What do you guys know about this? If you have V2, this is a topic we will go over under isolation precautions. You got to know about anthrax. Anthrax is one of those NCLEX favorite questions because there's a lot of misinformation about anthrax, okay? So what do you say the precaution is? I'm so glad you're joining me. This is Monday Motivation. This is Monday Monday Motivation. Yes, we do this every Monday. We do this every Monday. Join in, tap in, answer the question. The correct answer, you'll be happy to know, is for anthrax, standard precaution, okay? Isolation precaution. Isolation precaution, such as contact droplet and airborne precaution is not necessary as it is not transmitted via droplet or person to person. A amazing, amazing, amazing. I like this new beginning. I just made my friend by the VT yesterday. I'm a student on the regular VT. She'll do a rundown. She says she'd like it so far. So I'm just spreading the best NCLEX review. I love it. Thank you so much. Shout out to you for being an amazing friend. <laughs> she will learn definitely about this topic in there. Here's the next question. I hope you guys got that right. Anthrax is standard. Etch that in your mind, okay? Two, the nurse is assessing a client with exposure to unknown chemicals. The nurse suspects cyanide poisoning as evidenced by. Hmm. Remember what type of what type of classification cyanide poisoning was. So we have number one, irritation of eyes, nose, and upper airways. Two, coughing with clear, frothy sputum. Three, burning irritation of eyes, nose, and airways, and smell of bitter almonds. Four chest tightness, and shortness of breath with exertion. Ah, if you attended our beginning part of our class and you showed up on time, you got the answer to this because we talked about this today. What's say if you guys, we're talking about cyanide poisoning. Hmm. Might want to notice, might want to notice. Love it. Oh, you guys are doing so good. I'm happy to see that you guys chose. Number three, three was correct. The smell of bitter almonds, it is significant, okay? It is significant in cyanide poisoning, okay? Yes, bitter almonds, prunus amadagalus. That's how I'm gonna say that. Contains the cyanogenic glucoside, amadagalin. I don't know, which hydrolyzes to, to produce cyanide. Okay, so I copied that. But it's important that you know bitter almonds and cyanide together. Don't forget those combinations, okay, guys? I tell you stuff that's important for you to know for NCLEX. Question number three. The nurse is caring for a client with cyanide poisoning. In order to counteract cyanide poisoning, the nurse anticipates to, okay, irrigate affected skin areas and eyes, Give sodium nitrate intravenously, okay? Administer atropine two milligrams IM. Three, protopam 600 milligrams given IV slowly. Ah, this is why content matters. 
This is why content matters and test strategies don't because there's not a test strategy that you could use here if you don't know about cyanide, all right? So other NCLEX reviewers might tell you, just do our question bank. Some other ones may say, don't even worry about questions. Just let me sell you the NCLEX questions. <laughs> some, some might, I see people selling old NCLEX questions. Y'all be careful with these reviews. They might tell you just do questions. I'm telling you, you have to, you have to go over this content. You gotta go over this content, guys, if you wanna be successful on the NCLEX exam. The correct answer is number two, right? Sodium nitrate was one of the antidotes that I told you that binds to cyanide, okay? You're not gonna figure it out. You're not gonna be able to guess your way through the NCLEX exam. Every Monday, you need to be right here studying with me until you take your test. And then after you just come back and say, hey, Regina, I passed in collects. That's all I need. That's all I need y'all to do. All right. Next question. Ooh, this is good. The nurse understands that the most toxic chemical agent is number one, cyanide, two, pulmonary, three, vesicant, four, nerve. Mm, mm. What do you think? I'm telling you, New Beginning says, my email is flooded with them scammers saying they'll give you 8,000 questions to study for just $30 for Cyber Monday. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'd be so confused after them 8,000 questions. What in the world? 8,000 questions. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're talking about, ooh, we're talking about the most toxic chemical agent. Let me ask you this. If you had to pick one that you definitely didn't want, which one would it be? Which one would you definitely not want? And I want to say this. Think about the treatments that are available. All right. Think about the treatments that are available because we're these are all chemical agents. So when I say the most toxic, I'm talking about the one that you are definitely, definitely not going to be wanting to have because there is not, mm. oh goodness, I don't know. All right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to give the answer away. Mm. I see the answers on the screen. Go ahead. Put your answers on the screen. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. All right. Here, here is, here's the answer. Correct answer is number four, the nerve agents. They're the most toxic ones, okay? Remember, the vesicants spread. They spread quickly. They spread because you don't have the, you don't have the symptoms as quickly, but the, the nerve agents, they're the most toxic of all of them, okay? So you're going to have very, very, very serious problems if you're exposed to a nerve agent. All right. Now, I don't even know. Hold on. I got to check now because we have, um, oh, goodness. So if I go, you know, we have Facebook and we have YouTube watching. And with Facebook, I think it's Facebook's turn to share. 
I think it's Facebook's turn to share for the bonus questions. So there's 51. This is not even bad. Okay, so there's 51 people watching on Facebook, and we have, I think we have 20, 12 shares. 12 shares. Okay, so we need Facebook. We need y'all to get us up to 20 shares. That's literally just eight more people just sharing the video, and we'll do the bonus questions. Now, while we give, while we give Facebook time to share, while we give Facebook time to share, I'm going to just take like two questions about V2 because I do have, um, I'm going to get off here and I'm going to do a separate V2. I'm going to do a separate V2 um, preview. Okay. And I'm going to talk about those of you who have V2, the topics that you'll see in V2, where to find your workbook at in V2. So I know there are many of you who maybe you don't even know what V2 is. You've never seen my NCLEX review before, but you need to know it. And then also um, your question bank, how to access your question bank. What does everything mean? Partial scoring. What will I see it? All of the exams that you may or may not have taken. All right. So we are going to talk all about that on this next live that I'm about to do. So hang tight with me to see if you need some questions answered about V2. All right. Okay, let's check back in with Facebook to see if they have done it. YouTube usually holds us down. YouTube usually holds holds these bonus questions down. But I don't I don't think I don't know if you guys got it or not. Mm, that's all right. Let me see. Mark, can you let me know did they get it? My phone is being slow. I, I'm checking. Ah, we didn't get it. So we only have 16 shares. That's okay. Um, we'll do the bonus question next time. Facebook, next time, next time. We're not gonna, we're just gonna just mm, keep it moving. YouTube, it's on y'all. It's on y'all next time. All right, so again, you guys were asking me about this. We are continuing the Black Friday review tonight at 8 p.m. at 8 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. So translate that to your own country's time. And then also we're going to continue on Cyber Monday with uh, this amazing price for V2. Let me tell you guys, this is uh, easily a $300 NCLEX review, but I'm gonna give it to you guys for just $89 for three months access, your question bank plus your combo content together as they should be. These two should not be split up. You should be able to have them together. So that's why this is a better NCLEX review. And I want you guys to have it. I want you guys to have it. So now let's get into our Monday motivation. It's simply the idea, guys, simply the idea to begin again. And I thought about this because it's like, have you ever played a video game like Mario Brothers? When I was young, one of the best things my mom did was in the summertime, she got us this. It was a Super Nintendo. And we got, we didn't have enough money to get a regular Nintendo. So when she came home, it was like, you got the Super Nintendo? I don't know. I, I may be telling my age. I don't know if you've ever had a Super Nintendo. But anyways, we played Mario Brothers. And it was the first time I ever played a Mario Brothers game. And I would frequently not make it, right? Something would come eat me up. I don't know if it was like a mushroom 
or uh, I don't know, I would drown. But anyways, have you ever played a video game where you were playing and then you died? All right. Now, just like in games, I was happy when I had the ability to start over and try again. I was happy when I was given the opportunity to start over and try again. But I noticed that it's something that happens when nursing students fail NCLEX. They're not happy when they have the ability to try again. It's like we let the idea of failure just, it just becomes our new reality. It just becomes the new experience for us. And we don't even consider how wonderful and amazing it is to be able to start over and try again. We have to get out of that mentality. If that's something that you're struggling with, a past failure on your NCLEX exam or things not being not working out, maybe you're not where you want to be. Maybe you are not where you thought you would be. Maybe you're looking at other people and you're like, they're there, but I'm still down here. You have to. You have to look at the benefits of being able to start over and try again because there's opportunities. Like Mark said, um, when he talked about the devotions with the disciples, they had a failure where they could not cast out an evil spirit. And Jesus had to tell them, no, this kind of evil spirit needs prayer and fasting. Right. And so there is an opportunity for you to learn sometimes in your failures. So just because you have a failure, that doesn't mean you're a, not a disciple. And just because you have a failure with NCLEX, that doesn't mean that you won't be a great nurse. So I want you to be grateful for your opportunity to try again, start over again. We can look at it like in the gaming world, like, oh, I'm so glad that, you know, I ran into a building and crashed my car and blew up. Right. Or my football team lost. For those of you who play those football games, you know, um, we lost, but we get to start a new season again. It's the same. It's the same in real life. Like take that same energy of being excited and tell yourself, I get to start over knowing some things that I didn't know the first time. I'm telling you guys, some of my best, best um, experiences have been after a failure, have been after a failure. So um, be excited for it, okay, guys? Because it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. And I'll just say this. Um, we try and try so that we can achieve what we want to achieve. In every try, there should always be a progress that in every step we take day by day, we are getting near towards our goal. And that's the truth. It is not necessary to, and that's the great thing about it. Sometimes it's not necessary to start at the beginning of everything when we fail, but we can continue our journey by beginning with something new to start with. Okay. And this is it. To progress is always to begin again in everything. Even if you have a success, like I had a great NCLEX review with the VT, but what if I just stopped there? What if I just stopped there? No, I am beginning again with something new. I am beginning again with something better. I am taking the next step forward. So we have to look at every experiences in our life as a learning classroom. It's a classroom, right? So I learned some things when I had the original virtual trainer. I learned that you guys wanted a downloadable workbook. 
I learned that you guys could do the six-week program in a shorter amount of time. Y'all didn't need six weeks to get through my program. So when I did V2, I created the four-week calendar. I learned that y'all was ordering question banks from other places because VT didn't have one. So I added in a question bank, right? So just making things better, um, allowing you guys to have a better experience, but also being an example, the stuff that I say to you guys, I have to be doing it or I'm a hypocrite, right? I, I'm a hypocrite. So I'm also taking steps forward. It's scary. It's so scary, Like, but we still have to do it because if we don't do it, somebody else might do it, right? And our opportunity to help humanity, right? Your opportunity to work in the ministry of nursing will be gone. It'll be gone, right? And so we don't want that. We want to be able to try, try again. So um, thank you guys for watching, okay? Thank you guys for watching. Um, and I'm going to actually hop off here. And I'm coming on tonight. Remember, tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time, we have 8 p.m. Eastern time will be part two, part two. And we will continue on our NCLEX studying. So if you don't have anything to do and you don't have like some hot date tonight, I'm here for you. I'm going to be here studying. So just hop on and give yourself something to do that's productive because I want you guys to have that $70,000 payout, right? soon. I want you guys to be getting those checks. I got to listen on my phone today. I woke up and these people, they already know this is the, this is a job. I, I get job opportunities all the time in my phone. And so this is a text message from the same company that I tell no to all the time. They say this, hi there, Regina. I wanted to reach out this morning to keep you updated on a telemetry position that I have in Cleveland, Ohio, because they know I'm in Ohio and they know I do love telemetry. I do love me some cardiac nursing. So anyways, they say I have openings day or night at $90 an hour, $3,240 a week, and positions are opening in December and January. Are you currently open to this type of contract? $90 an hour. I had to think about it. $90 an hour. I could do some stuff with $90 an hour. Is this the kind of text messages you guys want to get? It should be. It should be because these kind of opportunities nurses are getting all the time. Nurses are getting all the time. And you see, they're not even like, they're not even like saying you need to have this, that, and the other. They're not saying, you know, in order to get this job, like I want you to do X, Y, and Z. They're saying, Hey, Regina, would you consider this? Like that is the need for nurses that they want to give their very best $3,000 a week, more than $3,000 a week. And I know for a fact that I could say to this company, yes, I'll consider it, but I want $95 an hour and I don't want to work any weekends. Can you make that happen for me? Right. And guess what? They're going to try to make that happen. They're going to try to make that happen. So we'll talk all about that in net and like past NCLEX. Then we'll talk about that stuff in net and first shift. Okay. Talk about that. You should always be ready to negotiate because if somebody can do $90 an hour, they can do $95 an hour. All right. Anyways. All right. I, I'm going to get off here. I'm going to hop off here. And then my next live broadcast, if you want to join me, will be all about V2 and the experience of getting into V2, okay? So I will see you guys later tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time.
whew, it's going to be a long day, but we are in it to win it. This year is almost over, so we have to do what we have to do to get our nursing license. I will see you guys tonight. Remember, you can, you will, you must pass NCLEX.